The Chicago Blackhawks dropped their 13th consecutive road game, falling 4-1 to the New York Rangers. But who cares, because Connor Bedard is an all-star baby. On today's episode, I'll break down Bedard continuing to make NHL history and why he's deserving of being an NHL all-star. And I'll also get into Team USA's 6-2 win over Sweden to nab the gold at the 2024 WJC. All that and plenty more right here on Locked On Blackhawks. Your Locked On Blackhawks, your daily podcast on the Chicago Blackhawks. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's up, everyone? Welcome on into another episode of Locked On Blackhawks, part of the Locked On Podcast Network your team every day. As always, I'm your host, Jack Bushman. Do me a favor, go and give me a quick follow on X at Jack Bushman too. And also make sure to go and follow my Strictly Blackhawks account at Talk and Hockey for all the latest Blackhawks news and updates. And also just a quick reminder to please go and show some support if you like what you're watching or what you're listening to today by smashing the like button, commenting down below, and subscribing to the Lockdown Blackhawks YouTube channel, all of which is 100% free. It won't cost you anything and really does help me out tremendously. And I also got to let you all know that today's episode is brought to you by Game Time. Make sure to go and download the Game Time app right now. And when you do, go and create an account and use the promo code LOCKDOWNNHL in all caps to get $20 off to the sporting events, concerts, or theater events near you. All right, good afternoon, everyone. Again, thank you all for joining me on another episode of Lockdown Blackhawks, your one-stop shop for all things Chicago Blackhawks. Hope everyone's Friday is off to a great start here thus far, or if you're tuning in on Saturday morning, hope the weekend is going beautifully for all of you tuning into the show. We got lots to talk about here on today's episode. The Blackhawks, the times remain tough for them as they dropped their 13th consecutive road game last night to the New York Rangers out at Madison Square Garden. We're not going to start the show with that, though, Blackhawks fans, because we got more important and bigger matters to talk about here first. And that's Connor Bedard continuing to make NHL history. The NHL announced their uh, all-star teams for the upcoming all-star game this year in 2024. And Connor Bedard is the lone representative for the Chicago Blackhawks, and he edges out Jeff Skinner to become the youngest player ever named to an NHL All-Star team. 18 years, 171 days of age. I believe he's beating out by Je- beating out Jeff Skinner by 56 days. Both of them were 18 years of age uh, at the time when they will play in the when Bedard will play in the All-Star game, but he has them beat by a little bit. And I'll tell you what, Blackhawks fans, this isn't just a nomination because of the attention that it'll get the NHL and all the eyes that'll be on the NHL All-Star game because Connor Bedard is going to be there. No, he is absolutely deserving of this nomination, and he has been not only the best rookie in the NHL this year by a pretty wide margin, he's been the best player on the Blackhawks at 18 years of age, as I mentioned on the show yesterday, still closer to 18 than he is 19. And he's been the best player on the Blackhawks. I don't even want to think about where they'd be without Connor Bedard. Through their first 38 games this season, he's suited up in every one of them, which probably shouldn't be forgotten about 
as well, given all the injuries that the Blackhawks have fared with. And Bedard being someone who's consistently on the ice for them, he's their leading forward getter in terms of time on ice, undersized, you know, five foot ten. There were some concerns about how he was going to handle playing against grown men on a nightly basis. And health-wise, I think it's pretty impressive that he's been capable of suiting up in all these games this year, especially when the Blackhawks have dealt with injuries with like seemingly every other player so far in the season. So not only has he been consistently in the lineup, but he's been pretty darn consistent with his numbers as well. Through 38 games, he's got 15 goals and 18 assists for 33 points, leads the Blackhawks in all those categories. He has three more goals than Jason Dickinson, who's second on the team, three more assists than Philip Kurashev, who's second on the team, and 11 more points than the second leading point getter on the Blackhawks. Next closest to him is Philip Kurashev with 22. Connor Bedard has 33. I already mentioned he averages 19 minutes and 29 seconds of time on ice per game. That's most among all Blackhawks forwards. He's recorded 118 shots on goal so far in those 38 games. No other Blackhawk forward has recorded more than 72, and that's Nick Felino. So he's got a very large gap there. And in total, just being close to a point-per-game player on this Blackhawks team that I've mentioned is injury-depleted and has been injury-depleted for quite some time now, he also has as many goals as Brad Marchand, Joe Pavelski, Rupe Hintz, Sebastian Ajo, uh, Elias Pettersson for the Vancouver Canucks. Connor Bedard has the same amount of goals as all of those players. And I'll tell you what, most of them are playing on much better offenses. The Hawks rank 31st in the NHL in goals per game, 31st in the NHL in expected goals per game. Their power play has been dreadful all year long, yet Connor Bedard has found ways to fight through all that adversity and triumph through it all and is still near a point per game player. I think that's just pretty breathtaking in and alone of itself that he's already able to do this at 18 years of age in his first run at the show with this Blackhawks team around him. I mean, it's truly unbelievable the talent that Connor Bedard is at his age, and it has to have you so excited about what he could be in just a couple of years and what also the Blackhawks could possibly be when they actually get some uh, good pieces around him. And then in comparison with the rest of the rookies, I just thought I'd like to throw this out there because I know there are some fans of other teams that feel like their rookie is deserving of the Calder Trophy. No, they're not. Listen, no, they're not. I, I understand there's a lot of good rookie play going on in the NHL this year, but no one's been better than Connor Bedard, and it's really not close. He's the leading goal scorer among all rookies by four over Adam Fantilli, the leading assist getter by two over Pavel Minchikov, and the leading point getter by nine over Adam Fantilli as well. And like I mentioned, he's playing on the 11-25 into Chicago Blackhawks with a treacherous offense and roster and supporting cast around him. So it's him. He's the offense. And when you look at any other of these rookies, they're not having to be the focal point of their team like Connor Bedard is while also having all the eyes on him under all the pressure, under all the bright lights. He loves those moments. He thrives in them. And that's just what makes him so unique and so special. Uh, and I thought it was also funny that one coach Luke Richardson mentioned to Bedard that he was going to be their all-star representative this season at 18 years of age. He uh, handled it in the most Bedard way possible, like maybe a little bit of a smile on his face, pretty nonchalant reaction. It's like, yeah, it should be a lot of fun. Uh, the guy is just, I mean, he's, it's so funny how professional and how mature he already is at his age, uh, both off the ice and on it. So 
Connor Bedard, absolutely deserving of being the Blackhawks all-star representative this year. I don't want to hear anyone say that, oh, he's only getting in the game because of the branding and the marketing of it. No, it's because he's been the best player on the Blackhawks this year by a very large margin. Real quick, though, I did want to be sure to mention the rest of the players named to the Western Conference All-Star team this year. How about Frank Vetrano getting the nomination for the Anaheim Ducks? Good for Frankie having a real big breakout there out in uh, California. Clayton Keller got nominated for the Arizona Coyotes. Elias Lindholm for the Calgary Flames. They'll actually be uh, coming to Chicago on Sunday as the Blackhawks return home from their five-game road trip. They'll be finishing that up here this evening against the New Jersey Devils, trying to pick up their first point of the road trip as well in their first Point of the 2024 new calendar year. Nathan McKinnon, unsurprisingly, the nomination for the Colorado Avalanche. Jake Ottinger got in for the Dallas Stars. Connor McDavid, well, I mean, who voted for McDavid? Who thought this guy should be in the All-Star game? He's going for the Edmonton Oilers. Cam Talbot's going. Kirill Kaprizov. Philip Forsberg has been excellent for the Nashville Predators and helped them be in contention here through the midway point of the season. Robert Thomas has been one of the bright spots for the Blues, despite them having a very roller coaster ride of a first half. Tomas Hurdle will be going for the San Jose Sharks. Oliver Bjorkstrand will be the representative for the Seattle Kraken, their second leading point getter, first among forwards. Uh, Quinn Hughes will be going for the Vancouver Canucks, which I thought was, I mean, Quinn Hughes is absolutely deserving, but uh, JT Miller, Brock Besser. I guess any of those three really could have been the Canucks nomination in my mind. Jack Eichel going for the Vegas Golden Heights and then Connor Hallibuck, who I tweeted out uh, a couple of weeks ago, might be the most underrated player in the entire NHL right now. In my opinion, he's the best goalie in the league. He's just been so consistent year after year. He'll be going for the Winnipeg Jets. Snubs, like I said, I think this was a pretty good team. Maybe you could have had JT Miller or Brock Besser in there for the Vancouver Canucks. The only one that kind of caught me by surprise was that Vince Dunn wasn't the one who got the nomination for the Seattle Kraken. He is having a really big year for them on the back end and is their leading point getter. So that was a bit surprising, but Oliver Brookstrand certainly is deserving of it as well. And so is Connor Bedard, baby. An absolutely unbelievable start to his NHL career. I wish, you know, the Blackhawks could be a bit healthier right now and give him a little bit more help just to see what those numbers uh, would be. But I think he's exceeding expectations given the talent around him and uh, really stoked to see what the numbers are going to look like for Bedsy at the end of his first full NHL campaign. All right, there are my thoughts on Bedard being named as the youngest player to ever make an NHL All-Star game. Coming up in just a moment here, Blackhawks fans, I will get into the Hawks' 13th consecutive road loss as they fell 4-1 to to the New York Rangers at Madison Square Garden last night. But first, I need to talk to you all about game time. You shouldn't have to worry when you're buying tickets to your next big event, and game time is the perfect, fast, and easy way for you to buy all of your tickets, whether you're going to a sporting event, going to a concert, going to a theater event, or anything that's near you. And I personally have used game time for probably close to a decade now since I was Back in high school, going to see all those old Blackhawks legends down at the UC, or even if I'm going to catch a Cubs game at Wrigley Field or in another city going to a concert or trying to catch a sporting event, I always use game time because it's always reliable. It's always fast. It's also super cheap. And I love how they send me images from every seat in the house. So I know exactly what to expect when I arrive. 
I highly recommend you all go and download the Game Time app right now. And when you do, make sure to create an account and use that promo code listed down below. That's locked on NHL in all caps to get $20 off with your first purchase. Yes, you heard me right. You can get $20 off to come see Connor Bedard down at the United Center this season. All you have to do, download Game Time, create an account, and use the promo code LOCKEDONNHL in all caps. Last-minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed, Game Time. Segment two. Unfortunately, we do have a Blackhawks game to get into here on today's show. The Hawks traveled out to New York last night for the fourth uh, fourth game of their current five-game road trip to face off with Artemi Panarin and the New York Rangers. And as it's been for the Blackhawks, kind of all season long, uh, they have blips, they have moments, they have little spurts where they look like they can hang in there and compete and do some good things. But they're few and far between. And when they're bad, their bad is really bad. And the inconsistencies just continue to really hurt this team. But like I said a couple of days ago, it's just, it's so hard to be mad or frustrated about it. What's frustrating is the situation the Blackhawks are in because they just don't have enough talent right now to keep up with other teams. Feels like Peter Mrazek has to stand on his head on a nightly basis for them to even have a chance. And whenever he lets in more than two goals, it's like, well, there goes the Blackhawks hopes because they're just so limited right now offensively. But they had some moments throughout the course of this one against the New York Rangers. Didn't get off to a very good start, though, which was uh, pretty unfortunate following their... um, what was their first game of the new year? Now, now this is drawing a blank on me. They didn't uh, start off the way that I certainly wanted them to, and I can't remember. There's been too many bad games to remember Blackhawks fans. Oh, yeah, 3 nothing uh, against the Nashville Predators. That's how they kicked off 2024. Luke Richardson spoke with the media, and we even heard Darren Pang and Chris Vosters up in the booth mentioning how it would be really key if the Blackhawks were – if they – would be able to get off to a good start. And they didn't do that. It took them over 10 minutes to register their first shot on goal in this one. Uh, The Rangers wound up grabbing that one to nothing lead. The Blackhawks, though, they did play better in the latter 10 minutes of the uh, period. Artemi Panarin, though, kicked off the scoring. And I swear it's a three-on-two play that's kind of been... The Blackhawks have allowed that same three-on-two play to go in the back of the net so many times this season. It wasn't, you know... Artemi Panarin, he shoots the one-timer. It was a perfect pass from uh, Lafreniere. We don't see many goals come from the one-timer at the three-on-two, but that seam seam pass and just those types of plays. Three-on-two rushes, I feel like, have killed the Blackhawks all year long, and we're getting to the midway point of the year now, and it feels like they still don't know how to defend them. Uh, Artemi Panarin opens the scoring. The Blackhawks, like I said, though, they did finish the first period with some momentum. They did some good things. I think they got nine shots on goal in the last nine minutes of the period. So they had an opportunity to come out of the first intermission with some momentum on their side, but they didn't do it. They let the Rangers go and pounce back over them. Chris Kreider, uh, with kind of a questionable call, doubles their lead to two to nothing. The lone Blackhawks goal of the night gave them some life going into the third period. Colin Blackwell strikes for his first goal of the season. Nice play by Jacob Megna as well to uh, get that stretch pass up the ice in a hurry and kind of capitalize on the Rangers making a change. But when this Blackhawks team, I mean, up until the final two minutes of the third period, uh, there was a 37-minute stretch there where they had six shots on goal. 
I mean, it's so ridiculous right now. And it's, it's just so hard to watch Blackhawks fans. I mean, it really does feel like a burden to watch this Blackhawks team. I'm not excited to watch them go and face off with the New Jersey Devils here tonight because how in the world are they expected to keep up with that offense, especially with Arvid Soderblom in that, who, to be fair, did look better in his last start against the Predators. But with this Blackhawks offense, it feels like he has to be perfect. So just so tough for this Hawks team right now, fans. I'm really, I'm really sick of breaking it down here on the show because there's nothing really to break down. They just can't do anything. Um, but hopefully they'll start getting a couple of pieces back here soon to make these games at least tolerable to watch. Not a lot of bright spots from last night's game from the Blackhawks to get into here. I do want to give a shout out though to Colin Blackwell, who he's played eight games now since returning from injury. Um, and he's brought his A plus effort seemingly each and every game. And Scored the lone goal for the Blackhawks last night. It was his first since February 10th of 2023. So that one absolutely had to feel good for Blackwell. And he's looked like a man who has missed hockey over the last year. Someone that's only played, what, eight games in the last 11 calendar months. He looks like someone who's out there itching and trying to prove himself too. And that's great to see out of Colin Blackwell. He's bringing the energy. He's bringing the intensity. The Blackhawks certainly need it. So we had a really good game last night. First goal of the season, also adding uh, three shots on goal on the second line with Nick Foligno and Jason Dickinson. I mentioned Jason Magna, Jacob Magna, excuse me, his brother is Jason. Jacob Magna made his Blackhawks debut last night after being claimed off of the Seattle Kraken. I figured they were probably going to want to give him a couple of days to get acclimated with his new teammates and the system and everything, especially given that. He had only played in two AHL games so far this year, spent most of the year up in the press box being a healthy scratch for the Seattle Kraken. No NHL games of experience this season, but the Blackhawks threw him right into the lineup. And I'll tell you what, he looked pretty good out there on the second pairing with Alex Vlasic, a big guy who knows how to use his body, uh, added two hits, one block shot, one shot on goal and really kind of made the play happen on the lone Blackhawks goal of the night. Good play recognition, a perfect stretch pass to find Boris Kachuk, who went on to set up Colin Blackwell out there in front. Without that read and that great feed from Jacob Megna, the Blackhawks probably get blanked for the second time in a row to kick off 2024. So he was really sharp, especially for someone who just hasn't played at all this season. Uh, really positive analytics, second on the Blackhawks and expected goals for behind only Ryan Donato. So really good start to his Blackhawks tenure for Jacob Megna. He's going to be on the second pairing again tonight with Alex Vlasic. I also wanted to give a quick shout out to Boris Kachuk, who picked up his first point since being recalled from Rockford last night with the primary assist on Blackwell's goal. And that now gives him two goals and three assists for five points in 19 games this season. And look, I know those numbers don't jump off the charts or anything, but Boris Kachuk to me is someone who should be playing right now. And he went down to Rockford and had the right attitude, went down there and was productive in those opportunities there. And I think the consistency, obviously he's a much different player than Lucas Reichel. But the consistency, similar to Reichel, is really what's caused him the issues in terms of consistently being in the lineup this season. Because when he's on top of his game, we've seen this this year, Blackhawks fans. There have been a few games where Boris Kachuk has been one of the most Blackhawks effective forwards. The issue is, when it's not one of those nights, he's usually kind of a ghost. He's got to find ways to impact games when he doesn't have his best stuff. But I think we shouldn't bat an eye at a guy who's 
look, it's a small sample size, five points in 19 games, but I believe he had 16 points in 58 games for the Blackhawks last year. Like this could be a guy who could be a fourth liner that could maybe pot 10 goals a season, maybe get close to 20 points. And that shouldn't be forgotten about. Now, obviously there's a role you have to play on the fourth line and offense necessarily isn't what coaching staffs and organizations are wanting from their fourth line. So there are other parts to it, but I do think Boris Kachuk has a sneaky, decent offensive game. And because of that, I think you should be getting opportunities on the fourth line, especially when the Blackhawks are as injury depleted as they are right now. So I like to see Boris Kachuk play a decent game last night, but it's all about kind of putting those together and having more consistent stretches of games and not just one good one, one bad one, so on and so forth. But not like I said, not many bright spots out of the Chicago Blackhawks last night. I thought Peter Morazic played a good game until he gave up kind of a, a softy there in the third period. That really kind of um, took away the Blackhawks' opportunity for their comeback. But when you only score one goal, you're probably not going to win anyway. So hard to get mad at Peter Morazic, especially for how good he's been this season. I still believe he deserves to be co-MVP of the Blackhawks in this first half. But the times remain tough, Blackhawks fans. Not only have they dropped four consecutive games, they've now dropped 13 in a row on the road. They'll be looking to put an end to that schneid when they face off with the New Jersey Devils here in less than two hours out east at the Prudential Center. All right, there are my final thoughts from last night's 4-1 to loss to the New York Rangers. Coming up in just a moment, don't go anywhere, Blackhawks fans, because I'm about to dive headfirst into Team USA and four Blackhawks prospects coming away out of Sweden with a gold medal. But first, I got to talk to you all about FanDuel. As the weather gets colder, the NFL offers stay hot on FanDuel because right now, new customers can get $150 in bonus bets with any winning $5 money line bet. Yes, you heard me correctly. That's $150 in bonus bets if your team wins with just a $5 money line bet. Football season is starting to get to the nitty gritty here. We're just one week removed from the playoffs. And if you've been thinking about signing up for FanDuel, there's literally no better chance to get in on the action. FanDuel is offering this for one more week. Just go and place $5 on any team to win money line. That could be the Chicago Bears against the Packers. Really hoping that comes through. The Los Angeles Rams, the Arizona Cardinals, the Baltimore Ravens, whatever team you want, if they go on to win, you'll be credited with $150 in bonus bets in your account. And you can use these bonus bets to bet on everything from the money line to the point spread, over-unders, player props, and much, much more. All on an app that's safe, secure, and super easy to use. Plus, I love how FanDuel pays you out instantly when you win, unlike some other sports books. Make sure to go and visit FanDuel.com slash LockedOn so you can start earning bonus bets right now with America's number one sports book. Again, that's FanDuel.com slash LockedOn. FanDuel, an official partner of the National Football League. Back here on the Lockdown Blackhawks podcast, part of the Lockdown Podcast Network, your team every day. As always, if you're still tuned into this point of today's episode, let me just say thank you very much. And if you could help me out, if you haven't already, please make sure to go and hit that like button, comment down below, and subscribe to the Lockdown Blackhawks YouTube channel. All of that is 100% free. And also make sure to go and subscribe to the new Lockdown Sports Today because Lockdown has launched the first ever national sports 24-7 streaming channel on YouTube. 
Locked On Sports Today is here for you, obviously, 24-7, covering the top sports stories of the day with the local experts of Locked On. Go to Locked On Sports Today on YouTube and subscribe to the first ever national sports 24-7 streaming channel. Segment three, before I let you all go and enjoy the rest of your weekends, I am going to have an episode come out tomorrow, though, following the Blackhawks matchup with the New Jersey Devils. I certainly have to get into Team USA and Team Sweden facing off with one another today in the gold medal game at the 2024 World Junior Championship in Gothenburg, Sweden. So you know there are going to be a lot of crazy Swedish fans in attendance. The atmosphere was super crazy. And these two teams have a little bit of a rivalry. These two age groups, I guess I should say, because they faced off with one another in the last two gold medal opportunities, the U18 World Championships. Sweden was the ones who stripped the gold off of the United States next. So, you know, this was going to be kind of a rivalry type feel to this game. And boy, was it a fun one to determine the gold medal winner. And boy, am I glad to say the United States for the sixth time in their history win gold at the World Junior Championship. It was awesome to see this United States club go undefeated throughout the tournament, fight through some adversity and go and get golds on their neck. And when previewing the tournament, I actually just went back and listened to my preview and my fan guide of what all Blackhawks fans should have been watching throughout the World Junior Championship. I hope you all listened and enjoyed that episode and used it to heart because my preview was was kind of cool, to be honest. Not just saying that because it's me, but uh, it was pretty accurate. I said Canada was the favorites of the tournament, but the United States certainly has an opportunity to usurp them because the forward group of the United States, I said, was undoubtedly in my mind the best out of any team in the tournament. I had some questions about the United States defense, but I knew their offensive capabilities in that forward group with how many high first round picks they had. They were going to have a real good opportunity to usurp the two-time defending champions and go and get their first gold medal of their own in a couple of years. I said Sweden was probably the team outside of the North Americas that uh, we should probably be looking at as the biggest threat for the gold. And fittingly, the USA and Sweden go on and meet with one another in the championship game. And it was an excellent back and forth gold medal game. Sweden really came out with a purpose in the first 10 to 15 minutes. And honestly, the red, white, and blue were kind of lucky that they weren't the ones who got on the board first. That still was the United States, still, despite getting off to a little bit of a sloppy start. Will Smith with a beautiful slap pass to go and find Gabe Perot right out in front, that BC, NTDP line, whatever you want to call it. They were phenomenal all throughout the tournament. Sweden, they sure fought their way back, though, right out of the gate in the second period. They managed to tie this one up one-to-one. But the United States, they had the momentum in the second period. It kind of flipped from the opening 20, and they went and grabbed control with a pair of goals from Isaac Howard, who all tournament long played on the same line as Blackhawks prospect Frank Nazar. Frankie didn't have an assist on either of Isaac Howard's goals here today, but Isaac Howard had himself a phenomenal tournament, man. Um, First one, a beautiful breakaway finish going five hole on the backhand. And then the second one, uh, centering feed just wound up hitting off of uh, Havlid, the goaltender for Sweden, bounced off of his skates and wound up in the back of the cage. Looked like the United States were going to have a two-goal advantage going into the third, but 
a late penalty gave Sweden an opportunity in the final minutes of the middle frame, and they cashed in with five seconds left to cut the United States deficit to three to two. And going into that second intermission, it was like, of course they give up that goal. It would have felt so much more comfortable had they had a multi-goal advantage. That wasn't the case, but the USA went on and put their foot on Sweden's necks. They went on to score a couple of late goals and uh, go and seal this one with a 6-2 to two victory. Awesome to see uh, the USA flags up and everywhere and to see them repping a gold medal. And I think it's a really big moment for the future of the United States hockey, man. Um, it's incredible that we've come this far over like the last decade, decade and a half. And to have a roster that I know it's easy to say now, cause they won gold and sweet our Canada didn't even medal, but the United States had the better roster between them and Canada this year. And it was pretty cool to see that be a thing and how much hockey has grown here in the United States. And awesome that all these guys are going to be coming home with the gold medal. A couple of takeaways though, that I have before I get into the Blackhawks prospects from the world juniors, Trey Augustine, Unbelievable. I don't say nice things about Detroit Red Wings or their prospects very often. Trey Augustine was truly the difference maker for the United States. And I mentioned already here on this episode, and I mentioned in my World Juniors preview, my one concern about the United States was I just didn't know if they were going to be good enough in their own end. They had some good defensemen, but most of them are known for their offensive prowess, and they don't have a ton of size or physicality to them. So I was concerned a little bit about the United States defense holding up. But the only reason I felt like it did was because Trey Augustine was massive, especially uh, in both of those um, final two games against Finland and against Sweden. Trey Augustine was very cool, very cool as a cucumber, man. He was very calm, didn't give up a lot of big rebounds, and really made some timely saves. So without Trey Augustine in that, I don't think this gold medal was possible for the United States. I already mentioned uh, the uh, BC, the NTDP line of, Gabe Perot, Will Smith, and Ryan Leonard. Will Smith is an absolute wizard. The San Jose Sharks should be very happy that they came away with him. He is a real special talent. Uh, Gabe Perot knows how to go to the net with a purpose. He had 10 points in this tournament. He looks really sharp. It was a struggle for Ryan Leonard to get on the scoreboard, but I still thought he impacted the game in a lot of ways. And out of that trio, he was the one who was probably the most gritty and the most scrappy of the bunch. So that trio really impressed me um, all, all uh, excuse me, all tournament long and pretty crazy that they'll be able to come back next year. Uh, and then I got to talk about Zeev Buyam. Oh my goodness. Some team is going to come away with this kid in the 2024 NHL draft and they are going to be licking their chops. I got a nickname for Zeev already. It's ZV Wonder because he is a special talent. And because of it, his draft stock has skyrocketed here in the last couple of months. What he's been able to do with Denver as a freshman and what he was able to do on the back end in this tournament. I mean, the skating ability, the offensive recognition, the shot that he has, very heads-up playmaker. Zeev Buyam, I fully believe, is going to be a top 10 pick in the 2024 NHL draft after the performance that he had here in Sweden. In my opinion, outside of uh, Lane Hudson, he was the best defender for the United States. As a 17-year-old, the only player on the USA that uh, wasn't um, involved in at least the 2023 or 2022 NHL draft. And then Isaac Howard, who played with Gavin Brindley and Frank Nazar all tournament on the second line. I didn't really, I knew of Isaac Howard. He was a late pick in the 2022 NHL draft, 31st overall by the Tampa Bay Lightning, plays for Michigan State. 
This kid has a special combination of goal scoring ability and speed. He has a really good shot and he kind of, it feels like he's just got that swagger factor about him too. And I loved his pulling the hair back, Selly after scoring some big goals. Isaac Howard had himself a tournament, man, eight goals at the world juniors. He looks excellent. Of course, uh, he's a prospect of the Tampa Bay lightning though, but showed some really good chemistry with Frank Nazar. Uh, those two have played together in the past too. So not that surprising, but excellent to see them have such a big world juniors. And out of all the Blackhawks prospects, undoubtedly Frank Nazar was the one who stood out the most. And I think with his performance here, I would have liked to see him play a larger impact or maybe wind up on the stat sheet a little bit more in those final two games, but he still finished with eight assists and seven games played. Yeah. It would have been nice to see him score a goal, but he was dotting passes earlier on in the tournament and uh, his playmaking is really, really special. And the motor that he plays with, one thing that also stood out to me about Frank is I think he really does take the defensive responsibility serious. What I noticed in these final two games is every time, every time, I'm not kidding, that a defenseman would go and pinch into the offensive zone and Frank was out there. He was always in the right spot defensively, very responsible. Looks like he could be a very special second to third line, two-way forward. Interested to see if he's going to stick down the middle. It looks like he is. Um, has some really good face-off numbers at Michigan and had good face-off numbers for the majority of this tournament. And after seeing what Frank has been able to do with Michigan so far this year and what he was able to do with uh, Team USA, I think it's pretty clear cut that he he should be making the jump to professional hockey following the conclusion of his sophomore campaign. I just don't know what more he really has to prove there. And I think it's time to start getting him training like a grown man, going up against grown men on a daily basis. I think that's what's going to help take his game to the next level. The rest of the players on Team USA were a little bit quiet for a majority of the tournament. Uh, Oliver Moore finished with one goal and two assists in seven games played. His speed was very evident, though. Um, playmaking, I think he still has another step to take. Goal scoring, I think he's more of a playmaker than a goal scorer, so the shot is something he could work on a little bit, too. But what he's able to do with that speed on both sides of the pucks is undeniable, and he's going to be a fun prospect to watch just the way that he's able to make an impact on the game. He got some opportunities on the top line with uh, Jimmy Snuggerud a little bit banged up in the tournament, but he's another guy that could return and play a very huge role for Team USA as they look to uh, defend their gold medal this time next year. Sam Renzel played mostly on the third defensive pairing with Zeev Bouillon throughout the tournament, finished with one assist in seven games played. The biggest takeaway I have from Sam Renzel is you can tell he still has a ways to go defensively. The offense, I think he has good heads-up playmaking abilities, and I like his aggressiveness in the offensive zone. And for being a six-foot-four right-handed defenseman, he moves really well, and you just don't get a lot of that combination in the NHL. But it is clear Sam Renzel's a little bit of a work in progress still, and I think for those reasons, I probably expect him to play three years of college hockey, if I had to guess, at least two for, for sure, um, because he's still got room to grow defensively. But what he's able to provide, the size, the speed, the playmaking, um, if he's able to figure it out, that's going to be a very special package. Uh, I wish Renzel would be able to come back next year, but a very good experience for him, I fully believe. And a good experience for Gavin Hayes as well, even though he was utilized mostly as the 13th forward in meaningful games. I liked how he had an opportunity for Team USA to kind of do something a little bit different than what he's probably done throughout his career. He was a penalty killer 
for the United States here. And he did some good work while the red, white, and blue were shorthanded. And one thing I've talked about on the show here is given that the Blackhawks have a really deep prospect pool and a lot of skill players in there, they're going to have to be some guys who have to go and look in the mirror and realize that's really, that's not what's going to get them into the NHL. Like the Blackhawks drafted Connor Bedard, Oliver Moore, Frank Nazar, and they're going to have tons of free agent money to go and spend on talented goal scoring forwards. Some of these guys, a la Gavin Hayes, who was a third round selection a year ago, they have to play into some of the other things they could bring to the table. And Gavin Hayes, if he can turn himself into a penalty killer, that gives him an opportunity to be a bottom six lineup guy for the Blackhawks in a couple of years. So I like to see guys like Gavin Hayes kind of go and become more versatile. And I think it was a really good experience for him. And I'm super happy he got this opportunity to play for Team USA here in the World Juniors. And also the skill game that he plays, look, I'm not saying that doesn't mean anything, but if he can combine it with other skills and have that goal scoring ability at the NHL level, And that's what can make him a real special player one day down the road for the Chicago Blackhawks. Also wanted to give a shout out to Martin Mishiak and Adam Guyan for their efforts in this tournament. I know it didn't end the way they wanted it to. And quite honestly, really unfortunate that the one out of five games that Adam Guyan didn't play for Slovakia in this tournament came against Team USA. I really didn't get to see a lot of him at the WJC, but put up very respectable numbers for the second consecutive year. 3-1-0 with a 2.50 GAA, 9-1-6 save percentage, and one shutout in four games played. He's off to a phenomenal start with the Green Bay Gamblers in the USHL as well. So hopefully he'll carry that momentum over and uh, finish up that season strong before heading to the University of Minnesota Duluth Bulldogs as a freshman in the fall. Misiak in five games in the tournament, he played Finished with three assists, excuse me. Uh, got an opportunity, though, to play with Dalibor Dvorsky for most of the tournament, which I think is an awesome opportunity and good experience for him as well. And he's been a very meaningful player for the Erie Otters inside their top six. So hopefully that gives him a little boost when he returns to Erie and he can also finish up the rest of his OHL campaign by making some noise. All right, that's going to wrap up today's episode of Lockdown Blackhawks. As always, thank you all again for tuning into the show. Make sure to go and follow Lockdown Blackhawks for free right now, wherever you may be listening to your podcasts, and to go and subscribe to Lockdown Blackhawks on YouTube. And that way you can get the episode as soon as it's uploaded to YouTube each and every day. As always, I'm your host, Jack Bushman. Go and give me a follow on X at Jack Bushman too. And also make sure to go and follow my strictly Blackhawks account at Talk and Hockey for all the latest Blackhawks news and updates. So until the next episode, which I do believe is going to come tomorrow, maybe the Hawks can go and shock the Devils here this evening. I'm not going to uh, put too much stock into that, but everyone enjoy the rest of your Friday nights. Have a safe and responsible weekend. I'll see you next time on Lockdown Blackhawks, part of the Lockdown Podcast Network your team every day.